This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Tommy, what do we got? You know, you always ask me that, but it's always, I know you've mentioned that yeah, before. It's in the description. But anyway, yes. what yes. we're going to be looking at is, um, I guess, something that, you know, we took a while too when we were trying to figure out what to call this podcast. So we're looking at um, how things got their names, why things are named certain ways. You ever wonder, like, why Amazon's called Amazon, Google's called Google, or even how, why fingers are called fingers, I guess. That's what we're yep. going to look at. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, so how objects, how companies, um, Brand, brands. Yeah, brands. Yeah, and, and also we'll kind of jump all over the place. We haven't done this episode, like an episode like this in a while. I, back in the day, we did a few of these like, you know, fake history or whatever. So we're kind of going to be all over the place in this one. But I think that's what makes it fun. Um, just kind of discovering and or rediscovering some of these origins of some of these names and also some of the people that a lot of things we used today are named after so we'll get some background information as to you know why things are called what they are yeah, a little bit of everything i was kind of looking to research on this like how objects are named period so usually objects are organized into like a hierarchy like each object is named relative to a parent object most new words are simply assembled out of old ones so yeah. same thing we'll notice here with companies and stuff a lot of these names come from uh, like a source of a word that already exists you know, based on even like teaching sociology, I know you teach that too. We come, you know, identify, we symbolize, we refer, you know, essentially something comes closer to us and we understand it better if we give it a name. Yeah, because so, it's part of our yeah, vernacular, you know, like yeah, exactly, yeah. culture, really. Um, and that's why some cultures have more than one word for for what's important to that culture. Like, I'm pretty sure that if you look at it, like we have many different words and synonyms for money because it's very important for American culture. But I know that some cultures that specifically live in very cold climates have a lot of different vocabulary words for snow. It's this idea of like we name things to almost like make bring them closer, make us understand yeah. the world that we live in. Help validate them in our minds, like you said, in our culture, just make it part of our lifestyle. It makes it easier. Yep. All right. So let's, uh, I guess we could talk about this stuff. Um, All right, great. Where do you want to start? I don't know. There's so many. Brands. We're starting with. Uh... Just brands. Brands are fun. All right. So probably one of the most famous. Well, everyone knows about Coca-Cola, right? Oh, Coca-Cola has this, that. But I saw the one for um, its main competitor, which I guess would be a good podcast. The whole the Cola Wars. That would be an interesting little. Um, yeah, we've been trying to do Something that to talk about, right? The whole Pepsi challenge and everything like that. But uh, Pepsi actually got you its mean Cola. name. Pepsi Cola, yeah. Oh yeah, Pepsi. you said you Pepsi. I though. said Coke, but I said I said Coca Cola is like rival Pepsi. All right. Oh okay. Oh, Got right, its right. name from the um, digestive enzyme pepsin. So pepsin's not an ingredient in the drink. That's how it actually got its name because it's, soda was all these like like medicine back then. So it's supposed yep, to help it digestion. So it was named after the digestive enzyme pepsin. That's how they got. And Pepsi. what about its uh, what about its counter Coca Cola? Well, that was a couple other things. So the, the famous Coca-Cola, because of its two main ingredients, were uh, cacao leaves and cola berries. Yeah. I don't know yep, if you talk about cocaine. There, yes, there was cocaine back then. There was traces of it, I guess, back in the day. But Yeah. I mean, Coke, um, Coca-Cola, as well as Pepsi, like you mentioned, they were essentially used at first to fight nausea. I mean, it was medicine. And then someone carbonated that syrup. And then, you know, one thing leads to another, and we have cola wars. Um, Nike. I mean, you know, Nike... 
a lot of I feel like a lot of people know this. It's named for the Greek goddess of victory. And this yeah. swoosh actually signifies like her flight, apparently. And Nike's number one competitor is actually Adidas. And it's named after Adolf Dassler, whose name uh, nickname was Adi. And Adi Dassler, so Adidas, became Adidas. So I thought that was kind of cool, too. They have a whole bunch of crazy ones. Well, speaking of technology, I know we talked about this before, but Google, right? Mm-hmm. So it actually comes from the word Google. Just, it's the same thing just without the E. And yep. it means one, it's a number, right? One followed by a hundred zeros. And it signifies like the owners, right? Larry Page and Bryn's uh, mission to provide information, unlimitless information basically to all users, which is basically what Google was, right? Just yep. it's what it is. You type in and it's going to look up something. Nowadays there's filters and all the other stuff, but it's just more information on something. It's going to, Google's going to find some form of information out there for you. Lego one, the Lego story is kind of interesting because it has two meanings that both make sense. However, one is supposedly unintentional, even though that's the one that makes more sense. So Lego derives from a Danish word, legot, which actually means to play well, which makes sense. You know, Lego, you play with Legos. But it also in Latin means to put together. Um, and Lego company said it claims that you know that this was actually a coincidence, even though the coincidence makes a little bit more sense. Not that play well yeah, doesn't, more but than the other one. Yeah, put together, right? Yeah, one that you probably grew up with, right? Nintendo, Nintendo, right? The Nintendo and all, not the Switch, just the original Nintendo, Nintendo or whatever. Nintendo, right? right? Nin in Japanese means entrusted, and Tendu means heaven, so it means entrusted heaven, essentially. Oh. It's how it's how we felt when we played Nintendo. Yeah, uh, slamming the car- cartridges to get them to work, right? <laughs> and blow into them. <sighs> Those Game are the days. Those are the days. Uh, Amazon, Bezos, right? He wanted something that starts with an A. That was his big deal, right? No matter what. And then he thought, you know what? Biggest river in the world is the Amazon, and he wanted his company to be the biggest company in the world. So he named it Amazon after the world's biggest river, which I thought was quite interesting. Bud, did you see the Budweiser one? I was going to talk. No, I didn't get Budweiser. I saw it up there, but I didn't. So it's in like. I don't want want to promote alcohol on this show, Pete. Oh, it's not not real alcohol. (laughs) Dang it. I mean, it is alcohol. Tom, (laughs) but it's not. We're not saying drink alcohol. You know, stop it. Bud. All right. So (laughs) Budweiser beer has been brewed in Budweiser, Bohemia since 1245. So Budweiser actually means Budweiser and was developed as a bohemian style beer. And no, we are not saying you should drink beer. No, no, just just having some conversation here. Um, so a, a, a safer drink, okay, I, I guess I guess could can be argued, right? Um, coffee, all right. So Starbucks. How is that safer? No, JK. JK. Oh, I, I don't know. It, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't drink it, but whatever. Um, yeah. So you have Starbucks coffee, and it was originally. Um, Named after a character in Moby Dick, Starbuck. That's where he basically got his name from. They were going to name it something else, the name of the ship from a novel, but it got rejected. They set up for Starbuck, which was the um, chief mate of that ship, the Pequod. So the, hmm. that's, that's how he Starbucks coffee and became the phenomenon that it is. Interesting. Microsoft, two words. Okay. So, okay, so it stems from microcomputer and software, hence Microsoft. Ah, see, see, it's a cool one. We have 7-Eleven. They were renamed from um, in 1946 to ex- reflect their newly extended hours, which were 7 a.m. until 11 a.m. They used to be a um, company called Utotem. And then they, okay. they started going from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. 
they changed their name to 7-Eleven, and that's pretty much what you see now everywhere. Really? Okay, okay. Hewitt Packard. Uh, makes sense, right? They're the ones that created the company. However, the reason why it's not PH and it's HP on your printers is because they flipped a coin to decide that the H will come it's first. Crazy. They just say come up with these like names and become part of like Americana, but they're just so quick, you know? Right. Nuts. So, how they what well, this one a lot of people probably know. It's a brand, right? It's a company um, that Wendy's, right? The um, hamburger joint was Wendy. actually uh, was a nickname of the founder, Dave Thomas, his daughter. Her name was not Wendy. It was actually uh, Melina, but he her nickname was Wendy. So that's why he named it after her. He's one episode in the office when he calls Wendy's and he asks for Wendy and they're like, uh, oh, yeah, 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 I do remember that. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. There's Wendy there, they're trying to be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so eBay, originally the site belonged to Echo Bay Technology Group. Um, It was was like a consulting firm and they tried to register a domain name, Echo Bay, um, but that was basically already taken by Echo Bay Mines, a gold mining company. So it was shortened to second choice, which was eBay. Dot com. Well, a big uh, drink that uh, I know I signed a couple of the sodas one. There's also um, I have the story for Mountain Dew. So basically, what's going on with Mountain Dew is that it goes it dates all the way back to the time when uh, people were making their own moonshines, right in the Appalachian Hills around Tennessee. And in the 1940s, these two brothers, Allie and Barney Hartman, they came up with this lemony soda mix, right, to add to their spirits. And they named it they named this moonshine Mountain Dew and designed like a bottle for it featuring a hillbilly. Um, and stuff like that. And the drink was a hit. And then Pepsi eventually buys it from them. And then that's uh, basically how Mountain Dew comes into place. But it's, it was originally a hmm. like based off of like basically bootleggers, moonshiners. Okay. Okay. And this, you said Nintendo before, but the Sega one I thought it was interesting. Sega. Uh, because I didn't know that Sega was actually founded by an American dude, uh, Marty Bromley. So what this guy did is he started a company, which which he called the Service Games of Japan um, which event you know, which eventually became Sega, and he basically created his company to import pinball games from America to Japan to use on different American military bases, and he named his company Sega Service Games of Japan. Doesn't Nintendo own Sega now, though? I think I don't know if they own them. I know they, they license the games. Was, yeah, you know, something like that. So Sonic's in all the games. Let's see what yeah. my kids have. So. Sonic Mario this, Sonic Mario that. There's so many different like varieties of sandwiches, right? But what about the actual concept itself of the sandwich? Okay. The okay. idea of its own, right? So the idea is it all dates back to this um, an English nobleman, John Manitou, who he was um, was the fourth Earl of Sandwich. Right? He's the one that's kind of credited with his creation. There's even popular um, this sandwich chain called Earl of Sandwich. Right? Okay. Uh, apparently, he was a avid gambler. Who would um who would satisfy his hunger with nothing but a piece of roast beef between two slices of toasted bread, and then he just kept on eating that. It was his meal of preference, and um he didn't have to he liked it because he didn't have to stop playing cards while eating it. That's really how it came in. So a sandwich is named after the Earl of Sandwich. Hmm. And kind of staying with that idea of how things are named after people, graham crackers. So the graham crackers actually named after Sylvester Graham. Um, he was a minister, <laughs> right? So he was a minister in 1800s, actually early, like 1820s, apparently. He believed that unhealthy foods were like a root of sinful desires and they were bad. 
So he purposely made graham crackers kind of dull-ish. Like they don't, they're not really super tasty. And that was the whole idea because he thought, you know, through eating stuff that is like plainer food, it would lead people to salvation. Um, you know, obviously we put marshmallows on it now and chocolate. Oh, yeah, then they become Americanized, put American put chocolate and uh, <laughs> marshmallows on it. Yeah, burn it and eat it. Ah, <laughs> yeah. So didn't quite go his way. No, didn't, didn't didn't exactly work, but that's okay. Similar Pilates. Did you see Pilates? Pilates uh, being like a low impact exercise, ultimately, right? It was actually created by by Joseph Pilates during World War One, and he used it with uh, patients. Um, that couldn't walk because of World War One, you know, because of like issues that happened in war. Around 10,000 BCE, families and tribes of the ancestors to the people of Britain would arrive in the southern part of the island after crossing from land that bridged from Europe. The Welsh built houses, communities, kingdoms, and continued to survive through Romans, Saxons, Danes, and Normans. The language and culture influenced by these sources continued to change and thrive, becoming ancient and modern at the same time. Join me as we travel through the history, meeting the kings, queens, nobles, and everyday people that create and grew modern Wales from the seeds of the ancient past. Creo so, and welcome to the Welsh History Podcast. Um, and then eventually after the war, he immigrates to New York City and him and his wife, Clara, open up a gym in 1926 in New York City and brings Pilates and kind of makes a name for itself. It's like a rehabilitation exercise method where you're using mostly um, just your body weight, you know, low impact to yeah. exercise. To exercise. Well, I know how much you're an exercise freak, but I have another yeah. thing that it, yeah. that is um, something that is synonymous with uh, with you, and that's a cardigan. So oh, funny, um, funny, funny, funny. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's what's Mr. Rogers. Yeah, what is it with you and these like dukes of earls? Is this, this is an earl, right? Of cardigan, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's earl of cardigan. It basically dates back to um, the Crimean War. Uh, James Burndell, who happened to be the Wales seventh earl of cardigan, he led this doomed charge, and he was the only one that survived because he retreated. All the men that he led in the charge died. And when he got back to Wales, he was held a hero. People didn't learn of his retreat until much later on. And they people took note of this like knitted waistcoat that he often wore and it became a high, you know, piece of clothing. Kind of like what happened with like, you know, um we talked about earlier with um the pilot. Oh my god. Lindenberg, right? Yep. Lindenberg would have yeah, his yeah. Had his uh the bomber jackets and his and stuff like that became super popular with him. This he was became famous for his charge, even though later on they found out that he retreated and it became a high demand clothing item among his admirers, the cardigan. That's what they started calling it. Yeah. The Earl of cardigan, um, jacuzzi, right? Hot tub jacuzzi. So 1943, you have an Italian Kenneth jacuzzi, uh, has this, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And then he wants to figure out how to make this better. This rheumatoid arthritis. So he basically creates and develops this like hydrotherapy pump, which will be put into just, you know, 1943. So these pumps were put into regular um, tubs. You would just connect them in and connect this pump. And this apparently gave some relief at home to his arthritis. And then they started selling these portable pumps to hospitals and schools. And then eventually, um, you know, it is developed into larger units that we today know as hot tubs. Another one, I guess, mine focusing on food, but this one is food-related, I guess. It helps out food out. And that is Tupperware, right? Earl Silas mm-hmm. Tupper. Basically, he was working in a plastics division, and he found his own company in 1938 where he focused on basically developing a plastic that was uh, more durable. And um, he also created an airtight, an airtight, excuse me, um, seal. 
that he modeled after a little bit of a paint can. So if next time you ever look at Tupperware, it actually is the same as a paint can. That's how he modeled it. And he put these two creations together, and that's how you get uh, Tupperware is born. Hmm. Earl Silas Tupper. Did you see this James Salisbury, medical doctor, 1800s? Salisbury steak. Yep. He believed that um, certain foods were like an answer to health problems and could potentially cure illnesses. So during the Civil War, Salisbury... Actually, this is funny because he believed that fruits and vegetables were the root of all health problems. So he thought that if soldiers ate too much fruit and vegetables, it was unhealthy for them. So he started feeding them basically it's like super strict diet of chopped meat and chopped meat only. Um, and they became these like minced beef patties that eventually became a steak dish and carried his name, Dr. Salisbury, you know, the Salisbury, Salisbury steak. steak. WD-40. Let's look at some items. hungry on this podcast. I know, right? right? Uh, items. WD-40. I love WD-40. Invented 1953. Uh, it's So essentially, it's a functional product. Obviously, I mean, we've all, I think like everyone owns a can of WD-40. Come to think it's of somewhere it. Somewhere in the house, right? Yeah. When I moved out of my house, my dad bought me a WD-40 can and duct tape. It stands for Water Displacement 40th Formula. Ha. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It was like 40 times before that. And then they had like... Yep. Um, yeah, so they were trying to create this... Uh, the company's trying to create this like rust prevention solvents and degreasers um, actually for the aerospace industry. And it took them 40 attempts to get the water displacing formula just right. So that's why it's water displace, you know, displacing formula 40. Like, you know, if they did it on a 36 try, it would be WD36. Totally yeah. yeah like that's just weird because it would be a totally different name and a totally different just like... Right, you know, totally different thing. Crazy. Totally different thing. Well, there's Braille. The um, the there's, idea. Of well, Braille. You, have, you have Braille. I did see the Braille one. Right. So, go ahead. You can do that one. Um, early 1800s. Uh, there is Louise Braille. Um, Braille. he has an accident at the age of three and goes completely blind, and he attends the Royal Institution for Blind Youth, and they actually there was already an existing coded system to, for communicating for those that are people that are blind and it had you know race dots very similar and it was created by charles barbier um however apparently the method was way too complicated so louise braille kind of creates a simpler universal reading and writing system um and he actually does this at the age of 15 and then two years after his death the braille system becomes adopted as the official communication system for the blind in france and then eventually, you know, the countries around the world follow kind of. I think like basically created a way of communication. Like a, at 15. More than just a language. Yeah, at 15. Just crazy. Interesting individual. All right, let's um, shift over to, I have about body parts, a few body parts. All right, go to body parts. And then I have well, one, you I know, have... actually, before you do body parts, hold on. Saxophone, because like this, one, this one's oh, from I did. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we talked yeah, about Yeah, because he okay. plays sax. So this was this one's for my kid. Um, Anyway. It was invented and patented in 1846 by a Belgian instrument maker, Adolphe Sachs. And apparently he was like trying to like fill a void because he believed that there was like the lower voice within a wind instrument family, which just didn't exist. So he created the saxophone. Ta-da. Okay, go, go, go with the body parts. All right. So the one I was going to talk about first is something, your palm of your hand, right? Mm-hmm. So people, you know, palm of your hand, how'd that happen? So it all dates back actually to the to the Romans. Supposedly there was this Roman tradition where they would place a palm leaf in the hand of the winner of a contest during ancient times. And that led to the meaning of the undersign of your hand being called the palm. Okay. That's basically where that comes from. What else do so you have for bodies? Good. Um, one of the other ones is the um, the artery. 
right? Just something that something with air, right? It has something to do with air. Yeah, well, the name of it's uh, yeah, it's the blood vessels. It actually comes from the um, Latin and Greek word erythra, which is quite literally means air holder. And the uh, ancients used to, you know, believe that the Aries were air ducts since they didn't hold any blood after death. And since then, we've learned differently, but the name kind of still remains the same. Like we call them household items, and but they're actually used to be brand names, but we refer to them brands. Like Kleenex was a it was a, it's a brand, brand. Yeah. but if someone says I kind of have a Kleenex, like you know, they're talking about a tissue. Band Aid, like I want a Band Aid. Band Aid is an actual company name. Yeah, it's actually, right. what is it? It's like means like medical strips or, or right. something like that. Yeah, they put in like Sharpie. If I want a Sharpie, like uh, everyone knows what I'm talking about, but a Sharpie is an actual company. Q-tips is an actual company. Uh, there's so many if you start looking into this, like Post-it notes. Post-it is a company. Uh, Thermos, you know, even like something like a memory stick. I need a memory, like that's actually a company name that came up with it. Yeah, Frisbee, yeah. that was the company that created the first Frisbee. Laundry yeah, it's, it's actually become part of it's almost become a item itself even yeah though it's not, it's, it's even not though that's not it name. yeah like fiberglass is the company that created the first fiberglass product plexiglass is the company that created that product you know we see them for what they are which i, I think was kind of cool well it looks like it goes on and on like we can we can literally yeah there's so many i mean be, if you, if you guys are looking like, into it all day like, it's just constant you know, this car companies, right? Like DeLorean, right? You think of the DeLorean from like the Back to, School, Back to the Future movies named after John DeLorean. Like you have all those types of things. You have a ton of companies obviously named after, you know, individuals themselves. And there's also a lot of things that have names that you just don't know nor care to know. Um, they're like, you know, like you have them, but you didn't know they had an official name. Like, for example, the plastic ends of your shoelaces. Like oh, yeah, I had no idea it has... Aglets. They have, they're known as aglets, they're, yeah. they're called aglets. Like what? I didn't know uh, that. From yeah, aglets keep your laces from unraveling. Like okay, awesome. Like I like hey, you lost an aglet on your shoelace. Like what? Um, for rule, for rules are the little metal pieces that hold your pencils eraser at the end of your pencil. Did you know <laughs> that one? Yeah, like for rule. Oh, you're missing a for rule on that pencil. Um, yeah. I don't think if anyone, I don't think people are actually calling it those things, but yes, that's the whole point of what you're saying. I know. Yeah. How about the little triangle thing that goes in the pizza hut box in the middle? It's known as the pizza saver. The pizza ah. saver. The little, ta- so the the, little table. Things. Yeah. Yeah. So that a pizza box doesn't collapse at the center. All right. All right. All right. Um, the wire cage that keeps the cork in a bottle, I mean, a bottle of champagne. It's called the agraph. Uh, yeah. uh, all these things. Well, you also had one. So, like, I get what you're saying. So, these are things that, like, we didn't even know had names. But it's also like, think of like some of the famous things that have names, but their names were originally very different. And these are different some, yeah, there's a lot of cool things. So, here, I know yeah. we talked about one, like, like Google. We talked about Google already, but it was originally called Backrub. I know. That's when it was, it was originally the number one search engine was named Backrub, and they renamed it in 1998 as a play on words for the, for Google naturally became like this big thing, but imagine go, I'm going to go back rub something or go, you know, like people say, go Google yourself, whatever, or go back rub yourself. Like it's just going to be like, this changes. It just sounds weird. Amazon was Kadabra. So Best buy. Everyone's been to Best buy, right? It used to be called sound of music, basically a big sale. They sold everything. And then someone ended up said, Oh yeah, this place has the best buys kind of say caught on. Jerry's guide to it used to be Jerry's guide to the World Wide Web that be, later became known as Yahoo. 
I always thought, like, what if Yahoo was successful? And I don't know how things would be different. It's just our, our, like you said, our vernacular, how we say things, what we use, all that would be different. And again, there's so many things. This is just like a little... It's endless. It's endless. And it's endless. It's a little tidbit. And, and you know, this is just like Googling, huh, instead of Yahooing. This is like Googling out there. So, guys, if you're, like, curious about this, just Google how things got their name. And there are so many. And there's also so many things that have names that you never thought of. Like, you know, I mentioned a few. Even like your your belt buckle, like once your you know, your belt has passed through the buckle, the last hoop you know that you're like tuck it into is called the keeper. What? Like I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, well, that makes sense. It's that that's keeps, that it keeps it, makes it more right? sense in, makes more sense in anglet. That is true. That is true. Well, that's it, guys. So uh, thank you once more for tuning in every week. We appreciate it. If you need to find us, you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. Please feel free to leave leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We do greatly appreciate those. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. See you next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Peter Zablocki, and I'm a historian, author, and college professor. I'm thrilled to invite you to check out Evergreen Network's History Shorts podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, join me on a journey through time, exploring the little-known and hidden gems of history. In each bite-sized episode, I'll dive into my original research to bring you intriguing historical curiosities you've probably never heard of, uncovering the fascinating stories that have shaped our world, from forgotten figures to overlooked events. And the best part? I've condensed all this historical goodness into manageable chunks, perfect for your on-the-go lifestyle. Whether you're commuting to work or squeezing in a quick break, History Shorts fits into the little time you probably think you don't have. Subscribe now and never miss an episode of the History Shorts podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts.